There's old, old saying says, the fence is taken, not given. So I'm probably going to bring those this morning, so that's fine. But I want, you, I want you to hear what I've got to say this morning. I've spoken, I'm titled in ICU, um, ICU, not ICU. Um, <laughs> but I want, to, I want to chat around who you really are. I don't want to challenge you in according to the purpose and the plan that God has for you. The Word of God says to be fearfully and wonderfully made. The Word of God says every one of us are unique in who we are, how we do things, even our fingerprints. There's nobody in the world that has the same fingerprints as us. We are unique. The challenge is that what does society put on us and what do we become at the end of the day? Do we really become all that God has called us to be? Have we become that God has purposed us to be? Or do we become what society has really caused us or forced us to be? So I tell myself, we've just, um, we've just come back to the church and, and we were serving faithfully in another church. And in the season we're in, um, they started a project where they were taking homeless people off the street and someone had donated a house um, to the church that we could use. And we brought in the guys that were begging on the streets and the prostitutes and all that kind of things. We brought them into the house, we gave them a place to stay. Chantal would run it, it was called the Victory House, and Chantal would actually run it. She drove this big blue combi. <clears throat> and she would just pick up people, drop off in the house, and then take, go in the mornings and pick them up from the house and take them to work or wherever they're going to. And there's one morning, I, I never forget, I was sitting in this church, and it's a small church, man, it's like this. And this, this kind of lady came down the aisle, and I'll tell you why, I'm not really But Nick dropped there, she just had water. I still thought, my mother's just got it. She had the hair, the nails. The makeup, the eyelashes, I mean, she was just, I said, yo, this girl's dressed up at church properly this morning. Until I went to greet her, and she said, hello. <laughs> and I looked at her, I looked at, at him or her, whatever it was, and I, I remember looking at her saying, wow, you're actually a man. You know, you're, you're a beautiful woman, but teach you a man. And, and of course, the church jumped in. And the church jumped in and then gave him a set of rules. You know, straight away. You know, you're going to dress like a man, you're going to stand when you go to the toilet now. You know, we, we did the whole thing. And at the time, I was a really young Christian and I didn't understand. I thought, oh, well, maybe this is the way to go. And, you know, this is the journey that, that this is where we're going to be right, you know? Until we sat down with this young man, so telling myself, and we listened to his story. Oh, I grew up in a religious community. And he was one of five kids. He was the youngest, and he had four sisters ahead of him, above him. He didn't have a father, he had a mother. And the only example, and only life he lived. Ah. Any case, um, did you come up with your most good cups So, this is all he knew. This is all he knew. He only knew makeup, he only knew dresses, he only knew. I yield shoes. That's all he knew. That's all that he could. There was nothing else. There was no man figure in his life. There was no strong man in his life that would teach him how to do it. This is who he was. And I remember the church putting down such a set of rules for him that he almost was unable to attain these rules. And two years later, I was in the police force and I went to Lula Francie one day to go get one of my suspects. And who do I walk with? I walk with him. And they were sitting in the cell by himself and being arrested for prostitution. But he was on drugs, he was a mess. 
two years from where as a church we thought we'd really helped him and changed his life that he was found in a worse place than what he was two years before. And it's hard to be challenged in this area. And this came up this week because the last bit we watched a movie called Free Man. Who says, who's watching money called Free Man? The Free Man, like Free Guy. Free Guy. If you watch it, it's actually quite good. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. But the movie's about a guy that lives in a computer game, in an altered reality. It sounds weird, but it's actually good fun. And so basically what he does is he does the same thing every single day. He, gets, he works at the bank and he gets robbed every single day. The guy comes to the door, he goes on the floor, they get on speaking to each other. They say, you see everything happening. And say, oh, it sounds stupid. But when I thought about it, how many of us are living that life right now? How many of us simply wake up in the morning, we get dressed, we go to work, we know it's going to expect, we know it's going to moan, we know it's going to say something good, it's going to say something bad. You know, that's just life. We mow food. We look at this game, we think, oh, this is ridiculous. But when we really look at this game, we start to see how much in the world we actually live and how the world conforms us to a certain image. We live in a society when if you get born a girl, I can guarantee you'll get a Barbie doll. And if you're a boy, I guarantee you'll get a truck one day. I guarantee you as a boy that your mom's and your dad's going to push you to play rugby because that's what the African boys do. I remember when I was in school, when I was in school a few years ago, hockey was for girls. And I remember when this group of fancy boys used to play hockey. Remember that? We used to call them fancy because they played hockey. It was a girls' sport. And then after my son played hockey, I was like, this is funny things, this is worse than rugby. I'm really and everything in that game. But our society has molded you and I to become what the world wants us to become and not what God has purposed you to become. Often as, as adults, as parents, we live out our lives through our kids. The things that we could never achieve in our life, we pour our lives into making sure that our kids do that or that our kids achieve a certain goal. You know, boys have to act a certain way and girls need to act a certain way. And, and hear me here, I'm not condoning any behavior and I'm not condoning anything. Hear what I've got to say to you. Because, you know, the question that came to me that when I met this young man, all I wanted to insert him was, uh, I, want to, I want to ask him one question, that when you look in the mirror, do you see the person you become or is there a true you? inside you know we watch these programs on MNET and you know and these people that all that exchange and, and all these kinds of things and you know the transvestites and, 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 and drag queens and that kind of stuff and we can often look at them and go how can you live such a false life you know, how can you, you know you're a man you know what I mean you know you're a man and yet you dress up like a woman, and when you look in the mirror, I always want to know, who do you see? Do you see, and is your mind convinced you that you are this alter ego and further along exists, but Tracy exists? Or when Tracy looks in the mirror, does Tracy still see good? Because we often judge by the outward appearance of a person. It's easy to judge the outward appearance of how they carry themselves and, and how they behave. And so Thomas, I'm always amazed by this because we, we will get couples that will find and say, Let's see how we need marriage counseling. 
And when I go to Facebook, they're the happiest couple in the world. Who knows what I'm talking about? I mean, that people will come and say they're really broke, but I've seen them in the restaurant five times this week. And we live in this altered reality on Facebook. We live in this altered reality on Instagram. We live in this altered reality on TikTok. We live in this altered reality on, 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 on all these platforms. But who are you really? Who are you really? I spoke to the men on Wednesday night. And I was just talking about my life, you know, and what I've journeyed and the ups and the downs that I've had in my life. But also very been challenging is who's the true Kurt. Because you see, for me as a pastor, I can give you a nice side. I can say, Hallelujah, praise Jesus. I can praise Jesus most of you. I can convince you that I read the Bible every single day. I can convince you that I pray for you every single day. And maybe I do none of that. Maybe I'm on a porn site there. How do you know? You don't know. We don't know how many alcoholics are sitting amongst us here, how many drug addicts are sitting amongst us. Because we think a drug addict is the guy that takes, smokes weed and, and does cocaine. But we don't see ourselves as a drug addict that takes 55 alcohols a week. Okay? Or so much medication. Or we can't get through the day with, without 35 cigarettes. How is it us to judge visible sin, but we don't judge the hidden sin? We could judge a man that smokes outside the church. I'd rather have a man that smokes outside the church than a man that sits in the church and nobody knows he smokes. Yeah. And it's a challenge. We're going to December. You know what the worst part about it is? Most of us don't even know who we are going to December. Most of us are tired. Most of us exhausted. It's been a hell of a year. We've come out of COVID. Our businesses are starting slowly but surely to come right. But you know what happens in this time? This is a time where most of our relationships start falling to pieces. See to the men on Wednesday night. Divorce rate, March, goes through the roof. The highest month for divorce is March. <coughs> Suicide? December, January. Watch Facebook. The guys are jumping already. Blood cross, storms. Those are jumping already. Not even Zambia. And I've got to say that when you prepare to give up on life, you cannot believe who you really are. You cannot really believe the calling of God and the anointing of God upon your life. You know, Hebrews 4 says an incredible thing, and I'll read to you from verse 11. And just hear me, listen to me. It says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. It speaks about that rest. It speaks about that place where I'm good with God. What's the law? Where I come to a place where I don't need something to make me feel better. I don't need to do something for approval from people because most of us in this room have got addiction approval. Most of you cannot do it without some kind of approval every day. You need something to tell you you're good for. You need something to tell you. Well done. You need affirmation every day of your life. We're a society that needs affirmation. And we don't understand that the true affirmation only comes from God. He's the only one that when He speaks, something changes inside of us. 
where that peace comes. And, and the word, and the, and the, the, the God writes, and he says, you know, let's be diligent to enter that place of rest, that place of peace, that place where you can look in the mirror and just be happy with who you are. And yes, you've done things wrong, and yes, you, you probably got sin in your life, and you've got addictions, and all that kind of stuff in your life. But you see that when we start to mask our true selves, we live a life of masking. And when we live a life of masking, it's almost impossible for you and I to go back to the old me, to who I really am. As a kid, we were told, well, this is how boys act and this is how girls act. We would never, never, I mean, the old girl, but we would never like to play piano. Hey, I mean, how many of you guys do music in school? My boot is that B was asked to join the choir. The choir. He refused. Because boys don't sing in a choir. Now boys do sing in a choir. 20 years ago, there was no such thing as a male chef. Now the best chefs in the world are males. Especially my house. <laughs> And how many of you guys love cooking? <laughs> but society started to groom us. Society started to tell us something different. Society said, well, this is how you're going to act, and this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to treat your kids, and this is how this is going to be done, and this is how this is going to be done. And all of a sudden, without you guys realizing, we enter this game of life. We're 90% of the time, we're led by society. I was watching an article the other day on China. Do you know that the Chinese citizens are monitored every second of the day? Every South Pole port is registered. They can tell you where you are every second of the day. They can tell you how much money you spent. They can tell you who you visited. They can tell you who you didn't visit. During COVID, the minute you left your home, they knew you left your home. Not because of the South Pole, because of the cameras in the stuff. And we look at it, a movie like Free Guy, and we think, oh, it's a movie. There's guys living in the ultimate reality right now. You haven't got a choice when you're going to be Kurt Sutton. You're going to be who society tells you to be. And he says, come on, let's diligently seek that place of rest. He carries on, he says, lest anyone falls according to the samples of the example of disobedience. Listen to this. He says, for the word of God, the word of God is living and powerful. How do you break these addictions? How do you break these struggles? Through the Word of God. Through believing in the Word of God. You see, we've got this old saying, not old saying, we've got the scripture that we love quite, and we say this, bring a child up in the ways of the Lord and you'll never depart from it. What does that mean? What is the ways of the Word? Or the Word? Uh, bring a child up in the ways of the Lord. What are they? Simple. Love the Lord your God on your heart. And? Love your neighbor as your... That's the only criteria as for bringing up your kid. That if you can truly promise you, you can trust your kid to love himself and to love the Lord his God and to love his neighbor, you don't have to teach your kid anything else. We are all completely different. 
The problem is that society is trying to conform us. And the minute you cannot conform to society, what happens? You become an outcast. We don't like people that do things different than us. We don't like people that work slower than us. We don't like people with more money than us. And so the minute we, we, we've got somebody in front of us that, that, that is outside of our circle, they're different. Oh, well, we call them different. But often they're just you. We're not going to dress the same. We're not going to have the same haircuts. We're not going to eat the same food. We're not going to act the same way. But there's one thing that every one of us has in common in this room. And it's this, that we love to judge others whether we like it or not. There's a parable that starts with Jesus in the sand of us. And the word said he's writing in the sand. And on this side of him, he's got a woman that had just fought in the adultery. And on this side, he's got a group of men, and they're about to stone her. You know what I love about that story? Adultery can only be caused by two people. Where was the other person? Where was the other person? What? Because she was a woman? Now she needs to be stoned and the men get away with it? But you know the crazy thing what Jesus was doing? What did Jesus say to them? He was us and cast the first stone. You know what he said to them? He bent down and said, He said this to them very simply. And he looked at her and he looked at them and he said to her, To them, If any of you, Believe that you have lived a better life and have been more obedient than her throw that first stone. If any of you have never stood in judgment, throw that first stone. See, it wasn't about the sin. Sin was all over the place. They were all involved in sin. And he says, him without sin, him that has not judged, let him cast the first stone. I read this thing yesterday. And actually, it's walking quite a part because it says that we all got the same that says, you know, we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And this guy said, that's great, but it's not the sin that goes to hell, it's the sinner. And somewhere along the line, that we think that we can change people, that if our ninja dresses like me, she's going to be better off. You know, if Stephen just gets a, a job like me, he'll be better off. And, and we've got to start caring for people. <laughs> And we don't understand that every one of us is so unique. We're such individuals in our lives. That God has a purpose and God has a plan for every one of us. And he carries on, he says, For the word is living and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword, piercing through every division of the soul and the spirit, of joint and marrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you think you come to God, you can, you can confuse him. You've got it wrong. Because when you look in the mirror, God sees you as you are. Not as the world sees you. Not with your bald head or your beard or your funny color hair or your clothes. He sees you. He sees none of this. He sees none of this. He doesn't see that you're overweight or you're thin. And this is not your day for heaven one day. You're going to get up there and go, oh, I wish I had that burger. You better wish I had that burger. <laughs> but God sees you when you are. He sees your anger. He sees your frustration. He sees your bitterness. 
He sees the way the world has forced you into a situation where your parents have forced you to become something you're not. 75% of kids that study these days don't practice what they study. 75% of kids. You parents have paid for education. And you know why? Because that's what you want them to do. You want them to become lawyers. You want them to become doctors. You want them to become architects. You want them to become this. You want them to become that. Have you ever just stopped for a bit after what that would be? In church, we've got this long list. You've got to dress a certain way. You've got to speak a certain way. You've got to at least pop in three A.L. Where is it? A.L.S. in the sermon. We've got to make people believe that we read the Bible every day. We want the people of God and we pray. If only that was the case. Because Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, you'll receive it the will of the Father. If you pray the will of the Father, you need to know the Father, you need to take out the Father, and his miracles are happening. You know what miracles don't happen? Because we pray out of the living world. We say the religious thing. We'll pray here then. They wanted this young man to change. They wanted him to look like a normal man. Or I idea of a man. You see, the thing is, that I need to say this to you, that the burden of carrying who you're not will destroy you eventually. The burden of who you're not will destroy you. The burden of who you're not will cause you to take things that must help you be who you're not. I did George and Michelle's um, 10-year wedding renewal of ours yesterday. And I love these two. They're so honest. Goodness gracious me. I've never met an honest couple in my life. But Michelle said, George, there are times where I hate you. <laughs> this is her speech, eh? You irritate me. You never do anything I do. You never on time. And George is just like, but Michelle, I love you. I will love you forever. That doesn't matter. But I love that they're all like that. I love that they're open with each other. I love that they can say the things he's not picking up a fence because he knows she loves him. And he knows she loves him. Ugh. It's simple. That we're in a real relationship, it doesn't matter who's right and wrong. What matters is you're both content with who you are. You see, marriage too hard to make a hole. Two holes make a hole. And we live in society, we were living half of our lives. And if the word carries on in verse 13, it says this, he says, And there is, there is no create creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give an account for. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you get there one day, you are not going to give an account to anybody else except God. It doesn't matter what the world says of you. It doesn't matter what your kids think of you. It doesn't matter what the pastor thinks of you. It doesn't matter what your boss thinks of you. Listen to me. The only thing that's going to matter at the end of the day is what God thinks of you. That's it. That's your asset test. Yes, people are different. Yes, people are born different. We're not all the same. But I don't believe you can do as much change as you want to this 
You can do as much change as you want with this. The guy inside you still stays the same guy. And you know why? Because whether you believe or not, you still create an image of God. Whether you're happy or you're sad, He still loves you. Whether you're way off the track or as holy as they are, He still loves you. You see, but somewhere along the line, the psychiatrist told us that when we fail, we fail God. And when we fail God, God turns His back on us. The problem is that the Word of God says something different because the Word of God says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Warts and all. I remember being a young man and saying to my mom and them, you know, I'm going to come to church when I've got my life together. How many said that? When I've sorted out my drinking and my sin, I'm going to go to church. When I came to God, I was a wreck. I did through a divorce, married 21, divorced 21. I married the love of my life, I'd lost a child. I had a drinking problem, I fell down, smoked myself to death. And I came to him and I was a mess. Most Christians would call me a heathen. You know what I said to God? I said, God, I'm going to come to you, but I don't want to change. And God said, that's fine. Come as you are. Three months later, three months later, everything changed in my life. There wasn't desire for stuff anymore. There wasn't a need for the potty mouth. There wasn't a need for substances. There wasn't a need for certain stuff. Why? Because all of a sudden, I found myself in that rest. I found myself that God loved me the way I was. And you know, he was so gentle about it. Because he's so gentle, he took that sip of me that I didn't even know. I still thought I had a sin. And when I looked again, it was hanging on the shelf at the back then. And he'd taken that sin off me so nicely. Hey. And in the whole process, he gave me this robe. This robe of righteousness. Amen. And on the name tag on the inside of the robe of righteousness, it said Jesus. He gave me his robe. And I'm standing there, I'm God, hey, the prodigal son. Smelling like pig poo. Living a life that's squandered with prostitutes and all kinds of stuff. But who did that? Just don't get emphasis here, yeah? But really, I was there. I really was there. And you know what? He didn't challenge me, ask me to do one thing except this trust him. What he wanted. He's going to trust me. And I was like, oh, but God, trust me. But, trust me. And all of a sudden I started to become the worst all of All of a sudden the anger started to go. All of a sudden the bitterness and resentment and the desires for stuff started to go. A year later I didn't even recognize myself. My friends, when the police was with me, didn't recognize me. I bumped into people now that I was in matric with, and they said, What are you doing? And I said, I'm a Christian. They go, Still, really, what are you doing? <laughs> what did you change? Nothing. What did I give up? Nothing. What did I lose? Nothing. Nothing. You see, when I bought the place, and often this happens still in them, but here we are, because I'm 23 years in the ministry. 
The times were like you, I don't feel like getting out of bed on Sunday morning, it's stupid. Let's sleep in. You know, let's go play golf, let's go do fishing, let's go, you know, do something fun. But nothing beats this feeling of walking out of here. It doesn't matter how bad the worship was, how bad the sermon was, I still walk out of here like, yes, that was a great day. The problem is I spent so much time running from God that I lost myself in the process. The problem was this, that I believed that I could fix me. And I couldn't fix me. And if you think that you can fix you, you can't fix you. you see? See? Even she's speaking to me. You can't fix you. Only he can fix you. You know why you can't fix you? Because you don't know what you're fixing. And you don't know what you really look like. But he does. He knows what you look like. He knows what you should be. He knows the way you act and the way you do things. And the problem is we've got all these hidden secrets. We don't tell people that we're addicted. And we don't tell people that we've got different belief systems. We don't, and all this kind of stuff. Why? We hide away from people. We hide away from people. Why? Because of judgment. Every time I make a mistake, there's a whole crown of guys that rocks went to stone us. Especially in the ministry. You can't fail in this job. You're gone. And many of you are in the same place. I was speaking to him. But they were just saying that, you know, so much has gone wrong in their lives. And the more they pray, the more the less things happen. The place where they just want to give up on churches, give up on God, just where is God in this whole process? And we don't understand that God allows you and I to go through trials and tribulations. Why? Because trials and tribulations bring out the best in us. Trials and tribulations bring out the best in you. Trials and tribulations bring out who you really are. God, we don't stand good. When I lose, I swear, I curse, I fight. Yes, that's you. That's the real you. That's what you've got to deal with. We've got anger, we've got hatred, we've got bitterness, we've got resentment. I came out of school, I, I grew up with my uncle Nas, they grew up on a farm. Blacks and whites never sat together. A group society where black people live in toilet to white people. A group society where when police force I became a racist. Most of us did. We had no reason to hate another color. We were told to hate. And they were told to hate us. Crazy. We judge the world most of us are lonely, we don't want to meet them down the street. There's Jesus walking down the road. Where is he walking to? He walks into the leper colony. Hey? All the holier than thou are standing outside the leper colony. You know, oh, don't go in there, you're going to get sick. What does Jesus do? He walks into it. 
and he finds ten of them there. And the word says he saw me healed all ten. And they all run off. And the word says two come back. And they made whole to thank Jesus. We're not better than anybody else. And hear me, and I'm not too political. But we can judge James Zuma for what he's done, and we can judge this one for what he's done, and we can judge Elon Musk for what he's done. The only reason we can judge him because what they're doing is public. If we're to really be honest with ourselves tonight or today, what does that look like? What would that look like? And this is not David Gowan message. This is a message that I want to say to you guys. I haven't looked at my notes this morning. I've got notes here. I've got notes here. I have got notes. Look at this. But we're in a time. You know what? We I believe Jesus wants to come for his bride. The word of God says he's coming for a bride that is with our spot all. You think we're ready for that yet? You think he's coming yet? The challenge is that we can't be honest with ourselves. We're just scared to show people our spot or our blemish. And yet the word of God says, confess your sins one to another. Confess your sins, why? Because as you confess the word of God says that two are better than one. That you can walk a road and journey with a man that is battling. And I've always said this, I've got no problem with a man that falls. I've got a problem with a man that won't get up. And I don't care if you fall and throw three times, you get up. And I don't care if your knees and your elbows are grazed. Keep getting up. Because it gets better. And it gets easier. But I want to say this to you. You've got to start to trust Him. To discover the true you. He sees you. He sees you. He sees you in your happiest moments. He sees you in your darkest hour. He sees you. He sees you without your makeup on. He sees you without your hairs and your frills and your great stuff. He sees you without your house and your car. He sees you without your miserable husband or whatever. He sees you. He sees you for who you are. And that's the greatest joy. There's no greater joy. I, mean, I spent so many years in this book, in this pulpit, trying to convince God that I'm the best pastor there is. But I had more flaws than anybody else in front of me. And now we start to realize that we've all got a past. And we've all got mistakes. And if we ask, we will be redeemed. And the word of God says, remove us as far as the east is from the west from our lives. And renew us. And in righteousness, he says that we shall become oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord in which God's glory will be displayed. If I start to understand that I'm becoming an oak in which God is going to be displayed, His glory is going to be displayed. Then I also understand that there's a process that God has improving me. Are you going to change by tomorrow? No. But start somewhere. And know where you've got to start? Start here. You see, I can give up all my sin and all the stuff that I was doing. Until I got into this. Did this thing convict me? No, it didn't convict me. It just gave me direction. You know what this word does? The word of God actually says, He says that the unsaved, there's like a veil that is in front of us. 
You know what that means? Have you seen a bride with a veil? You can't see who she is until her dad lives it. And often Christianity is like, often if you haven't got the word of God in your heart, there's like a veil. I can tell you how beautiful this bride is behind the veil. I can tell you she's got blonde hair and blue eyes and cherry red lips and I can tell you the whole thing. But you're not going to believe me until I lift the veil and show you what she really looks like. And this is you. God wants you. God wants you to tell him when you're having a bad day. When things aren't going great in your marriage. When things aren't going great in your finances. When things aren't going great in your workplace. He needs you to be honest. He needs you to come to him. He needs you to say, hey, dad, and rock me. And as we become honest with him, and as he starts to see us, and as we start to see him, things start to change. You know how crazy the world is? I can't even do a program to watch this lady. But if, I watched this, this, this program other plastic surgeons. Now they do you know. And I always say she down. Look how beautiful she was before. And look what she looks like now. And yet God made her as beautiful and she wasn't content with it. And then it was the bulk up and then the boobs had to get done. And then it was this. And then the chin lift. And then the ears get plucked back. And then it just... And at the end of the day, you just look at it like this full thing on Facebook. You see the photos, eh? I mean, you be the first time, ah, we know each other about Facebook. You're not the same person. Because when we give the world this image, then we think you're going to be better, we're going to have bigger hair, bigger lips, and, and at the end of the day, all of that stuff collapses in any case. Believe me, it all falls apart. And one day you must look at yourself and go, what the hell have I done? If only I can go back. If only I can change my decision. If God would allow us to change a few things in our lives, how many of you would go back? Sure. Have you got some school or something? I'm going to close. I'm going to read you one of our favorite psalms. And I want you to hear what it is. And again, there's no judgment. But also let's just look at what the world's trying to turn us into and who we really are. Our kids, for you that have got kids, let your kids be kids. Let your kids be real. Let your kids play in the mud. Let your kids be imperfect. The problem is that we're imperfect people trying to bring up perfect kids. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Ah, love it. I can see my end there, close the Bible. End the sermon, drop the mic. He says, you know my sitting down and you know my rising up. You understand my thoughts evolve. You comprehend my path and my laying down. And I, I am acquainted with all, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not one word on my tongue, behold, that you do not know. 
You have hedged me in behind and front, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make a bed in hell, behold, you are there. And if I take it wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost part of the sea, and even if your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even night shall be light about you. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide you, but the night shines at the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed me in the innermost parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. For my frame was not hidden from you, and when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all where you were written. The days fashioned for me, when yet as there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sun of them! If I shall count them, they would be more in numbers than the sand. And when I wake, I am still with you. Oh, that you should slay the wicked, O God! Depart me from therefore from the bloodthirsty men. For they speak against your wickedness, your enemies take care of you. And the case of verse says, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me. And know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. He knows More importantly, he sees you. He sees your pain. He sees your mistakes. He sees your sin. He sees your failure. He sees your strength. He sees your weaknesses. And you know what? And he still loves you. Love. The way that you see that it's so like a top when he thinks about you. <coughs> and you sitting in the room can give me a hundred reasons why God shouldn't love you. Sin is sin. Wrong is wrong and right is right. Simple. But stop being someone who you're not. Stop putting on the facade. Stop trying to get people to like you. Or do people accept you? Stop trying to get people to stop judging you. Stop trying to be somebody that you're not. Be you. In closing, I remember a woman came to see us once. And she was going through a real difficult time in her marriage. And her husband was involved in soccer club. And he was the chairman of the club. And they played soccer his whole life. You know, the Lord thing soccer. Sunday they play matches. Wednesday was practice. After Wednesday practice, they go to the bar, you know. And she came and spoke to us one day and um, she said, Chantal, you know, I really need this husband of mine to change. And John said, why do you want to change? No, because you know, he does this on Sunday and he does this on Wednesday. And Chantal said, simple thing, she says, isn't that what you married though? Isn't that what you married? You knew what you were getting into. You fell in love with him and now he must change. And this is the problem we have in life, is that we expect everyone else to change around us, except us. You want a great marriage? Sort yourself out. Stop praying for your wife. Pray for yourself. You want good kids? Stop screaming at them. Stop praying. You want a good job? 
But we pray for your boss that God will bless him exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever imagine. Change your thoughts, change your perspective, change who you are. And I want you to become here. I'd rather have a church of 20 people know they are than have a church of 2,000 nobody knows who they are. And I want to say this to you. If there's one thing, there's one thing. You see, the word of God says, the only right thing we've got to judge is our brother, our Christian brother. We judge too much. We judge too much. We judge people around us, we judge their actions. We, 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 we say, oh, you were you just a lost cause. And we'll tell everyone how bad humor is. But no compare to go there and say, come, let's just walk together. Let's just walk together. Uh, people can. Uh, it's simple. You see, you would be the best version of you. Allow others to be the best version of them. And the two people will tell. Father, I love you, Jesus. I love you, and I know if I tell this congregation who I really was, they'd probably run out of this building right now. But I think every one of us have got that little thing that we're dealing with. Every one of us has got struggling to find out who we really are and our true calling and our purpose. Every one of us struggles to treat others the way you treat us. And we can judge people so easily. But you wouldn't say judge and be not judged. And finally, if we can just go back, back right to the beginning of our Christian faith that simply says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. Everything will change. Father, there's so much in our life that we've been told what to do and it's wrong. And we believe the lie for so long. We believe the lie for so long. We believe that we're stupid. We believe that we were failures. <clears throat> we believe that we were alcoholics. We believe that we were drugs. We believe that we were divorcees. And we believe all the things, all the tags that the world put on us. Sometimes you just need to look in the mirror. Sometimes you need to look in the mirror at ourselves and go, Hey, Kurt, how are you? How are you? You know, because nobody knows us better as God than ourselves. We know what we're doing. We know what we're going through. We know our highs and our lows. But we've got to get to that place where we just become and allow people to become who God has called them to be and for us to become who God has called us to be. There's prophets sitting in this church. There's miracles sitting in this church. There's healing sitting in this church. There's discernment sitting in this church. There's wisdom. There's, there's finances that need to be unlocked in this church. And it cannot happen till you become you. And as we come to 
the most exciting time of our calendar. A time where the world said that our Savior was born. That came to earth and died for me. That I can become all who you groups need to be Father. May this descendant bring about a change in our lives. And my prayer today is for that two things. One, that we would fall in love with you. But more than that, we fall in love with ourselves all over again. We're not who people say we are. We're not a result of our actions. We're not horrible people. We're not sinners. We believe that they have been redeemed. Somebody paid a price that I could not pay in the name of Jesus. Can we stand? close your eyes for a minute because I really believe that God just wanted to touch some people this morning. And I'm going to ask you to step of faith this morning. And I'm not just saying going to individually pray for you, but I'm going to pray for you corporately. But I want you to acknowledge what you're journeying. yourself or your body or your mind or your sin or your status and you can never get over it I want you to come to the front I'm not going to ask once and I'm closing if you've believed for too long the lies that people have told you that you're a failure and you're a mess you need to come to the front if you believe that you cannot be redeemed that your sin is too great I want you to come to the front That if you've lost yourself, that you're the one that struggles with addictions and struggles and medications and, and all these kinds of things and, and you cannot cope with the day and living and you need Jesus, I need you to come to the front. Because I'm not going to close the service and allow you to walk out of this place the same way because then I've wasted my breath. The word of God says, when the sun sets free, it's free indeed. I cannot set you free. But oh boy, I've got a friend that will. I've got a friend that is dying to set you free. Free from the lies of your parents. Free from the lies of your teachers. Free from the lies of your boss. From your spouse. Your exes. Free from the lies of your parents. Because God has got so much more for you. He's got so much more for you. Maybe you don't even know who you really are. And, and I've got some people that say to me, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. I'm an adult and I'm 50 years old saying, I cannot face myself in the mirror because I've sinned. I've hurt people in the past. And that addiction and that affair still scares me today. And I know just God cannot forgive me for what I've done. I want you to come to the front if you feel that way. I 
we see these men standing in the front here, these women, and you know them, I want you to come stand with them. Don't be shy. Come stand with your friends. Come stand with your family here. And even you don't know them, you feel God needs to come stand with this stuff. You know what? The word of God should be doing something with this Because I feel this view you stand in front of it, it's constant strive. It's got to struggle to survive, it's got to struggle to just exist. It's got to struggle day, every single day you wake up and you don't even know if you've got the energy to get through the day. And I'm about to change that in your life. Maybe we can just reach our hands forward to the guys in front here. Both of you. And Father, we come to you in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. We come to you in the name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of glory. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you gave up your son, Jesus. We thank you that you agreed with that to come and to save our souls. And Holy Spirit of God, I thank you that you've been released on the earth to reveal the glory of the King in our lives, our Lord and our Savior. And you know every person that is standing here this morning, you even know those that do want to get out of their chairs. And you know the pain and the anxiety and the frustrations and the stress, the anger and the bitterness and the failure that is standing in front of you. And Father, your word says that I filthy rags in your sight. Because you cannot earn what you can freely today. I'm going to pray for these men and women standing in front of you this morning. And I want to pray for breakthrough in their lives. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you come in power, that you come in might. Holy Spirit of God, that you come with healing in your wings this morning. I pray that you release a fresh anointing, not just in the people in front, but a fresh anointing of this congregation this morning. I want to pray for a hunger and thirst for righteousness in this house. I want to pray for a hunger and thirst for your word. I want to pray for a hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to pray for a hunger and thirst for your presence in this house this morning. I want to pray, Father, that this will be a church on fire. I want to pray this will be a Holy Ghost church, Father, moved by the power of the Spirit of God. I want to pray, Father, for a fresh anointing that as we go into December, we're not going in weak, we're going in strong. We're not going to fail, we're going to succeed. We're not going to be carried, we're going to carry those this December. That we are going to be all that you purpose us to be, and we want to be Jesus to the world out there this December. We want to be Jesus to the friends. We want to be Jesus to our family. We want to be Jesus to our colleagues. And Father, your word said it's not by might or power, but it's by your spirit. And Holy Spirit of God, I break every yoke of bondage, I break every addiction, I break every struggle, I break every force of anxiety, of depression, 
I pray that you start to set them free, Father. I pray that the gates of the Lord will be open. And Lord, if you start to pour out a blessing upon them, a freshness, a revival, a revival in their lives. Not just in their lives, but a revival in our lives, a revival in our church, Father. Just come, Holy Spirit of God, just come. Just come. Just come. Just come. We thank you for the love that you have for us. I'm just not free. I am free. I am who God has called me to be. I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. That I've covered the Word of God to this song. That is in front of that. That is in the front of that. That's a you cause a healing in their lives right now in Jesus' name. But oh God, can we just be more like you? Can we be more like you, this week, Father? May we lead from you. May we spend time in your presence. May we spend time in your word. May we just walk with you in the spirit of the night, Father. May we walk with you, Father, and enjoy your presence. May we discover who we truly are in you. And I ask all in the name of our name, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, people say, Amen. 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 You want to pray for this God?